It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. I'm at a modern drugs party. They're taking Charlie. He's got spliff smoke coming out of his drug end. There's someone over there smoking a crack. This isn't the exception anymore. It's just how people live today. Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by BookieBashing.net. Betting at 100.1 and above. This is Bashcast episode number 147. Oh yes, we got him. It is 20 minutes to 5 on Thursday the 27th of September 2019. Coming up in tonight's Bashcast. We have a look at the first round of the Rugby World Cup matches and oh yes, minutes too tight to mention. Minutes too tight to mention. Sebastian, minutes too tight to mention. The song is underrated. It's actually worth a play. Minutes too tight to mention. He goes off at the end of the song, like he goes unnecessarily off. He starts going on about, did the earth move for you, baby? Did the earth move for you, baby? It's like the, the, the whole song had nothing to do with that, all the way to that point of the song, but he couldn't help it. I've got an article from Viz, it's the funniest article that Viz ever did, where is it? Okay, here it is. It's from Professor Ralph Hoffenheimer. He says, I am Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Oxford University. I have been analysing Mick Hucknell's claims and have come to quite interesting conclusions. If we start from the quite reasonable position that Mr Hucknell was sexually active at his claimed rate of three different women a day between 1984 and 1993, the period of the band's greatest success then we reach a figure of 10,950 conquests, or 10,959, including leap years. Let us further assume that Mick had intercourse with women who were between 18 and 19 years old in 1984. We can get a rough estimate of the total women, number of women in this group by taking the current UK female population, 30 million, and dividing the result by 85, roughly approximating the female population is divided into equal proportions throughout the median age range. This gives us a working figure of 352,941 women 
who were born in 1966. Of this group, we must discount 10% who are lesbians and wouldn't go with a man, leaving us with 317,647 heterosexual women of a suitable age. Of this group, at least half can be excluded from consideration due to being ripe pigs and boilers who Mr. Hucknall wouldn't even touch with yours, which gives us... A final subset containing 158,823 potential sexual partners for the Simply Red frontman throughout the period under consideration. Dividing this total by the original stated tally of 10,959 women, we are left with the inescapable conclusion that if your wife is 45 now and was once half decent looking when she was 18, there's a 1 in 15 chance that she's been banged. Off Mick Hucknall. I'm talking about running around. Did the earth move for you? Did the earth move for you? Why did he start doing this bit? What's this got to do with? Minutes too tight to mention. Sebastian, minutes too tight to mention. Minutes too tight to mention. Look, it's a bit of a stretch to say that we needed that. We certainly didn't need it. 19 weeks of the golf tracker. Well, 18 up to last week. We had turned a £1,000 bankroll into £3,161. But we'd sort of stagnated for... Like we were on £3,253 six weeks ago. Um, someone asked a couple of weeks ago does the tracker even work anymore well the thing is we could be 30 40 weeks in betting 100 to 1 and be down and be that within reasonable variance of betting um, at 100 to 1 positive expectation bets even if we're betting 8 or 9 or 10 a week but um, we weren't we were up with an average return of investment of 49% per week so these are the golf bets I put up. These aren't even all the golf bets that we highlight. These are just the ones that I timestamp at a particular moment in time and then put on the recommended list. If you look at that list the next day and then you see cuts, it's very likely you're going to see them because at any particular time, something that's extremely good EV will tend to be top price. Um, and we'll end up getting cut. Most of these are cut by the off. And what that suggests is that when you're betting on things where the price shortens and cuts, that's generally a good strategy for betting. If you just do that and forget about the results and then you look at them after forever, you'll probably see that you're up. That's a decent strategy. Um, but we'd had a few weeks of... Not losing money, but not making money anymore. And then in the Sanderson Farm Championship, we suggested Aaron Wise, who's the shortest price we suggested. Well, he didn't return anything. He lost. As did Robbie Shelton at 80 to 1 and Matt Jones at 100 to 1. But Kevin Streelman placed. Your £4 each way at 80 to 1 would have returned 60 quid for him. Where did he finish? Strelman was in fourth position. Um, in tied sixth position, Bronson Burgoon at 66 to 1. 
got a dead heat on him, 40% dead heat, to return some profit, £5 at 66 to 1. And then Sebastian Munitz was maximum EV, which I cap at 140% because we don't want it to skyrocket for the staking calculations. Um, he was 66 to 1 at Betfair Sportsbook and other bets, uh, bookmakers. Uh, we recommended six quid on him at 66 to 1. That probably wasn't enough money, but regardless, he won, which is. You know, if you've got a thousand pound bankroll, that should have been four hundred and seventy-five pound twenty profit. Um, we changed, we changed the reporting a few weeks ago um, from percentage EV to pound unit pound currency EV. So what we've done there is before we were like, what would be your return if you were hedging? And then I guess we figured, why are we why are we even using this if you were hedging? It just complicates things unnecessarily. I know that's the, the backbone premise of the algorithm, but elsewhere in the site, what we do is we report on how much you get back for every £100 you put down, you know, something 105% EV, you'll get £105 back on a £100 bet. So why aren't we doing that on the golf tracker? So we started doing that, but I didn't put enough work into the staking equation. And as a result, we probably staked a little bit lower on Sebastian Minutes, just shooting ourselves in the foot. We didn't win as much as we should have been winning. So I have come up with now, I've formalized how we're staking now. Um, take your bankroll. And by the way, your bankroll is just, you know, you should be able to lose it, right? So if you've got a betting bankroll of £5,000, you might say £1,000 is for golf. And if you lose that, then... You're going to have to turn around and do something else. Don't put your whole bankroll on it. And certainly don't put everything in your savings account that you're using for the kids' Christmas on it. That's for sure. So it's if take your bankroll. Mult, and to get the stake that you should be, here's what I came up with. Bankroll multiplied by EV multiplied by 1.55. Okay. Subtracted by 1.365 times your bankroll and divide that by the decimal odds. Minus one, and that is your stake. And what that does, what is, it suggests that if something's a hundred point one percent EV, you're winning about seventeen to twenty percent of your bankroll. And then if that moves linearly up, and when it's one hundred forty percent EV, you're winning about eighty percent of your bankroll. So if your bankroll's a thousand pounds, the win component should return about eight hundred quid. Which at one to four odds means you'll be doubling your bankroll, but you'll be having loads of bets on that tournament. That's the thing about golf, you know? So you won't be doubling your bankroll. It does mean really strange things. Duncan pointed out, you know, if somebody's evens, you might be betting more than your bankroll. Well, blatantly, we're not going to be being silly. Their extreme events can distort these staking plans, and we would cap the amount that we were putting down. How has Fleetwood not put that down? Tommy Fleetwood. He's not putting well today. Anyway. So, listen, Sebastian Munitz, Munitz, did the earth move for you, Munitz? He'd been in, I'd seen him in a playoff before. Well, by the way, he was winning 54 holes. Let's go through this tournament, the Sanderson Farm. He was winning 54 holes, he was in the lead. Nobody goes you know, all four rounds leading. You can often get like 16 to 1 on that to happen because it's so rare. Um, and then he got, he's winning for the first nine of the fourth round and then just starts throwing it away a little bit. And Sungay Im 
Did you get him? Started picking up some birdies. Sebastian Minutes started dropping shots. And all of a sudden, he was three strokes in the lead in the ninth hole. He was two strokes behind by the 15th hole. It looked like he'd thrown it away. And that had happened before. I'd seen it as well with Munich. I didn't have money on him at the time. But the Greenbrier Classic in 2017, two years ago, he had a 54-hole lead then, and that time it was Xander Schaufuli, um who surpassed him with a few holes to go. And Munich ended up losing his tour card after that. And then... This tournament, PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, Sungay M, overtook him. Um, but Munich clutched a birdie on the 72nd hole, which was a tough hole, tough, toughest hole on the course, to force um, an extra hole. Um, both drives were poor, but the layup, M went into the gallery, which was great to see. And Sebastian Munich clinched the hole. And we get our third, I think, winner on the golf tracker. So if, you're, if you were that person who said to me, does it even work anymore? It's not that it works or it doesn't work. It's a transparent model. The results are irrelevant. We got, we've got. we been lucky that we've had two playoffs and we won them both. We easily could have lost them both. It wouldn't have changed anything about the logic of, of it being positive expectation to bet on people when you're getting a price to land in those additional places that is higher than the fair chance of that happening. It's all it is. That's all the logic is. It's not whether it works or not or stopped working or started working. The logic doesn't change. It's just maths and a long-term game. But it's working out pretty well. So I had two bits of feedback. I had the guy who was convinced it wasn't working because we went two or three weeks without making any money. And by the way, we make more on the week that we win than all the combined loss weeks in a row added together previously. And then someone else, another comment I received was um, uh, someone that said to me, they don't want anything on the site other than a very specific thing, which they want to pay less for because they know everything on the site. Well, I just think that's a bit like, okay, fair enough. I think this golf model is really powerful. It's really powerful. So powerful, in fact, that I'm staking my own sort of livelihood on being a high-stakes professional golf better as a living, as a job, with a mortgage and a family to look after. That's how confident I am in the principles behind this. So, and I don't even know everything about betting on golf, for sure. I'm just taking the elements that are available to me and sticking them together like a jigsaw. I think I'm doing it quite well. Being results orientated definitely shows that we've made profit, although we're running higher than EV. But yeah, to those two guys, booyah for Sebastian Munoz. He said, I never thought I was going to be a PGA Tour player. It wasn't even an option. Well, it definitely is now, Mr. Munoz. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. Some people that should have thought twice about being professional sports stars, include the entire English defence from their rugby team. But before we get to the negative, let's finish on a negative. Might as well start on a high. The Rugby World Cup. Okay, so the start came and went. No try again 
materialized type offer. So we've had there's there's no kind of manipulation of first player to score, and if he doesn't and gets the second, you get paid out. To be fair, they probably lost so much money on that. That's no surprise. But nothing huge took its place. Um, we have the bespoke your odds type models now. So I set one up for the rugby and then I scraped them and didn't find anything. Not a thing. Nothing over 70-80%. I think with the football, you have such a quantity of them and the lines move that... That the sheer number of them means the bookies can't keep up and and we find value. Unfortunately in the rugby there's not that many of them. It mean and the lines don't move that much, you know. I did see Sporting Index overpriced on number of tries in one game. I think it was a South Africa game. You could have armed them or at least created a middle versus spread X. Um likely get limited quite quickly doing that. Whole try different as well. So I found nothing on the bespoke type your odds. No massive offer. So where we have been looking, um, uh, uh, just it's almost like bog standard ABC stuff. I've been making money do it, doing it. So for starters, it, okay, so this one, the William Hill, the your odds, they do do like a double your odds, but they stick a tenner maximum on it. Now, mind you, it is 10, 11, 12, 13 to 1, so it's still 100 quid if it comes in. It's not for me, but if you want to win 100 quid, it's fairly decent. Um, and they're always good from what I've seen. I haven't seen one that's bad so far, so it's like that's a case of just you could blindly bet on each of those and it would be positive equity. Um, Ladbrooks and Coral have been doing boosts that can't be laid or they can be laid but they're just a little bit harder to work out like Vunipola or jo Joseph to be the first try scorer for England and that was already 8 to back and 7 would have been fair odds but you could boost the boost why do they do that? So they boost something and then they give, they give you boosts for your bet slip and you can boost a boost and the boost is already good but the boosted boost is very good and when it gets very good, there's no reason not to be betting on these. I mean, I'm taking thin value on first try scorer at any time try scorer anyway, especially if we can find it at Paddy on the machines, because then you can just slap down as much as you want and you won't be noticed. But, um, you know, you say, what, why are you taking something that's 13 to back and 12.5? Well, essentially delay, that's how we're doing the fair odds here. Well, I'm not taking something that's... I'm not taking it for the ARB value. I'm taking it because somebody knows enough that they're pushing down that price on the exchange. Whoever it is that knows about the team setup is pushing it down. Same principle as steam, steamers. I'm believing in this scenario that it's, it's the power of information that's a long-term strategy here. Might be wrong, but I mean, it, it, it's the same thing when you're looking at the the double delight offer at Betfred on either American football or football, soccer, and there is no exchange market. Well, or there is an exchange market that's completely illiquid with no nothing happening because it's a minor game. Well, what I'm looking for now is I'm looking for evidence of some sort of movement, whether a price is shortening or, you know, 
even if there's just a little bit exchanged, who's it on? Because that means that someone's forming an opinion about someone for some reason. And as long as that opinion isn't laying them at a thousand, someone's finding value in there somewhere. It means something's happening. There's some information. Trace the, the thread of information all the way back to the first guy that's caused that ripple, that butterfly effect of price movement. He knows something. That guy knows something. It's his information that we're using. Often it's rubbish. But often it's very good as well. So I'm looking for some movement to tell me something. If I'm looking at someone for DD in the American football, Double Delight, often I'll pencil a few guys in and then come back to them later on and see if there's been any trading movement on them whatsoever. And if I know there hasn't been any trading movement, that doesn't give me the extra justification. That's not one more tick. If anything, it's one less tick. Whereas if there has been some trading on one of the guys, that gives me a tick. It means something... It could That could be enough for me to decide to bet on them or not. Going back, exactly the same thing here with the first try scorer. Looking for any reason why there's information that the price is being driven down. So the following morning, the, the Wales match, a little bit later in the morning, thank God, after the go- late finish of the golf, not like tomorrow with Argentina Tonga at 5.45 in the morning. The, the Wales match, um, there was some reason to believe that either Jonathan Davis... Or Hadley Parks was going to be the first try scorer in this match because their prices were coming down. There was a boost up. One of the, what, Jonathan Davis or Hadley Parks to be the first try scorer at fifteen to two at Ladbrokes, and then you could boost the boost and the prices were coming down, so it ended up being really decent. And they take a they take a nice stake at Ladbrokes, not just a tenner like William Hill. Um, also, you had well, only in Wales would you have um, Wynne Jones and Reese Wynne Jones. Both priced up at 50 to 1 for a first try scorer, just in case you wanted to make any mistakes there. I feel sorry for anyone hedging the Welsh matches because there only seems to be about three first names and half a dozen surnames going around the team. Um, and this is sort of, you know, value betting based on price movement in the first try scorer and any time try scorer market is betting 101. It's not complicated stuff. It's nice when it's available in the shops because then you can get a little bit more on. I mean, I put them up on the tracker, but I'm at, there is some selection criteria when I do it. If it's a boosted price, I'll put it up because everyone knows what they're doing with boosts and the sort, sort of everyone's responsible for their own account preservation and making sure that there's enough non-boosts to boosts ratio going on in there. Um, it's a little bit harder if it's an ARB um, because sometimes ARBs are treated more strictly than boosts if everything's just an ARP you're going to be you're going to be restricted quicker uh, so for example if bet 365 are top price 20 to 1 on a first try scorer the next top price is 16 to 1 and he's 16 on the exchange or 17 on the exchange I'm not going to put that up because who in the right mind in the world is going to be betting on a first try scorer ARP I bet 365 on the most valuable account, risking it. That's not, no one's going to do that, right? So I've got nothing to prove putting that up. But if it's marathon bet, you could argue that, you know, marathon bet, B-win, sporting bet, that's a little bit more expendable. You know, you don't have the same number of sleepless nights losing those accounts as you do bet 365. So I'll put those up and I'll definitely put up anything where the price is available in shop, where if you happen to have 
body stood by the machine at that moment in time. And it has been the case. I mean, the very first match with Russia, Russia-Japan, um, was it Vladimir Ostashenko, um, 67 on Paddy Machine 60 um, on the exchange. Really easy just to slap down 20 quid or however much you want to bet on that. Um, nearly, very nearly scored the first try of the game, incidentally, as well. It was an interesting start to the tournament where Russia, Namibia and Fiji who were all um, really, really long prices against the favourites, the opposition, the sort of premier international rugby clubs. They all got the first try in their matches. And if you look at the bookmaker prices and the exchange prices, first tries for the minnows against the big teams is like, not the Fiji's minnow, but they, they were in that game. 10 to 1, 15 to 1 sometimes. It's like, is there an edge there? Or is that just a strange sequence of events i feel like they're overpriced at 10 to 1 and 15 to 1 you know they're not going to win the match but they're they're always up for it in the first five minutes and it's been shown so we've had a few of these oars come in or first try scorer um from pick your puns i did get red card and successful drop goal um both of those just basing off are the prices more than 10 or 20% on top of top price? And that's the only strategy I'm employing there. Um, the Fiji match against Russia on was it Tuesday morning? That was a fun one. It was a really early start. That match was um, another sort of 5.45 in the morning. So I'm up at quarter past five. I'm looking at it. Got a few first try scorers, any try scorers up. Had a look at the your odds. Match starts. And Fiji look just look awful. I mean they're so much of a better team than Russia, but they looked awful. They were incapable of holding on to the ball. It looked like wet conditions. They were not defending very well. And then they were one point oh five to start the game and then they went over and scored the first try. Russia easily could have scored the first try, but they didn't. So Fiji went 5-0 up. They didn't go 7-0 up. They didn't convert it. And I looked at the exchanges, and the Fiji price was hovering around 1.01 and 1.02. I was like, oh, you know what? If I can get 1.01, I'm going to have, I'm going to lay Fiji here. So I took it. Never enough. You never take enough when you're laying at 1.01, are you? Because it's it's kind of throwing it away. I did say on the forum. There was, I made sure I wasn't after timing by saying on the forum that I thought this seems reasonable. I don't think, especially if you're getting 1.01, I don't think you're losing this bet 99 times out of 100 the way it started. Got up, went to the gym, didn't watch the second half. Came home. Turned the television on, saw that it was Fiji 27, Uruguay 30 with a grandstand finish in the game. So there you go, 100 to 1 winner just to start the day off. I was really happy with that. I actually tweeted out. I tweeted out that I was happy. I made a little silly, jovial joke. Because right at the moment in time, I uh, we are doing um, the kids' playroom up and turning it from a playroom bomb site with toys everywhere into a kids cinema which is a lot more cool and so I just did like one of these silly tick list because I got lunchtime and I had a good day 
So it's like a tick list on Twitter. Wake up at half four, tick. Lay Fiji at 101, tick. Go to gym, tick. Make coffee, tick. Check result, tick. Send email of gratitude to Fijian government for the help in kitting out the kids' new cinema room, tick. Cans of milk, tick. Solid morning, hashtag RWC2019. Um, and the first five comments obviously are all negative. <laughs> There's some really, really, really odd people out there who are struggling, isn't there? <laughs> so Valderrama's hair retweeted me saying this is after timing for the LinkedIn crowd. don't even know what that means, but I don't have a LinkedIn profile. Do I look like I've got a LinkedIn profile? I've never had one. But I'm the LinkedIn crowd, according to him. Um, so, yeah fine after timing if you want to say that i've made this up to look cool that's fine and then someone underneath uh asked if anybody had ever been to the gym without putting on social media <laughs> nope no i never have done that either and so i mean this it was obviously such a silly I, I, here's here here's an inside bit i didn't even email the fijian government and nor did i cancel any milk <laughs> Didn't do either of those things. Those things were not only um, was I after timing for the LinkedIn crowd and bragging about the gym, but I was also lying about the email to the Fijian government and cancelling milk. So there you go, trolls. You wallow in your misery. That's fine. So uh, I got the. I've had a hundred to one already, which is great. Not quite as much as. Um, South Africa, Japan, exactly the same principle. Last tournament, uh, I am. It was my. I think it still is my biggest winner, two hundred to one. I bet on um, Japan to beat South Africa in play at two hundred to one because it just you know they're not going to lose the game one hundred ninety nine times out of two hundred. But it's exactly the same thing with the Russians who were up for it against Fiji. So I'm enjoying the World Cups for these in play trades. And then. I stopped enjoying the World Cup yesterday. So England played the United States. Uh, we had, it was mainly this one. I didn't find a hell of a lot online, but the William Hill boost hour threw up three bets. So we had the 100% boost was obviously very, very good. It was England to score over two tries in both halves of the match. And if you took a Poisson distribution with the uh, mean, you came out with 3.6, I think. 3.6 to back, 2.4 would have been fair odds. Really, really big price. Um, that one came in. And then there was England to score a try every 20 minutes and it be converted as well. That one came in, although the first 20-minute period of the second half was so cagey. England did get a try in that 20-minute period and then they got... That wasn't converted and then they got another try, but that was in the 59th minute and... 15 seconds and then I don't know if the conversion had to be within the 20 minute window but it was converted at 59.45 anyway very very lucky and then there was another one at the end of the match so that one came in but neither of those were they were overshadowed by the most brutal bet of the year so far an absolute wounder which was England to win to nil which I think was either 13 to 1 or 14 to 1 um as a 25% boost and um, very difficult to know what fair odds would have been. You could have looked historically, but we're looking at such a small sample size there. 
Um, so probably the best way to do it would have been to compare it against Bookmaker Top Price, and the Bookmaker Top Price was eleven to one. There were boosts out there. I think it was at, sorry, the bookmaker top price was 10 to 1 and there were boosts at 11 to 1. So 13, 14 to 1 just seemed fine if you include, if you're basing off top price with a little bit of markup on top for, as a safety net. And um, at half time it was 19 nil. And at 80 minutes it was 45 mil, nil. And the United States had the ball. So you're like, okay, well, I just hope they don't get a penalty at 45 nil at 80 minutes. Well, don't worry about that because England regained the football uh, on the halfway line. But because they're on the halfway line, they decided that they were going to try for more points in this match. They wanted 50 and they tried to pass it around the United States, but it was slippery. And there was no reason for this whatsoever. It was objectively a selfish and stupid, dumb decision. <laughs> and they lost possession of the ball to the United States who kicked it forward. But fortunately, the England defence regained the ball on their own 22. So what did they do? They immediately put it out and the game was over at 45-0. Yep. Yeah. No, from their own 22, they tried to pass the ball back to their try line and then run it through for these additional meaningless points. And they dropped the ball. And the USA picked it up and... I, it's like you couldn't believe what you were seeing. You literally couldn't believe what you were seeing. The substitute, Bryce Campbell, went over the line to score a meaningless five points for the United States, which was converted. Match finished 45-7. And it meant nothing in terms of the game. It meant nothing in terms of the Rugby World Cup for either team. It only served to be a strategically extremely stupid decision for England and kill all of our 14 to 1 William Hill shot bets. Okay, um, something that was slightly less frustrating was the um, William Hill Air Gold Cup on um, Saturday, which had 24 runners, 25 runners, but Air Raid withdrew. Um, and William Hill paid seven places, which is back to, okay, glory days, a little bit harsh, but definitely not terrible. Um, even Ladbrokes and Bet365, well, Ladbrokes five places, one to five, Bet365, five places, one to four, Skybet was seven places, and there are eight places tomorrow on a handicap. There's value all over the place for this. Um, I was using the the tracker that we have up in the site. Now, it would have been possible to dutch this race, uh, but you have to focus a little bit of time, invest some energy on that. Couldn't be bothered. So, um, just plucked off three, um, three horses that were high up on the EV rating and bet them all to win £1,000. That was my strategy. Uh, and that was... Growl at twenty-eight to one, Gulliver at eight to one, um, and Louis de Palma at twenty to one. Um, Angel Alexander won it. Now Angel Ag Alexander won it at twenty-eight to one, and was really high on the EV ratings of the tracker very late on. So had I been a little bit less prepared, as a couple of people were. 
uh, looked at the track of maybe five minutes to 50 minutes past three on Saturday afternoon and looked at the William Hill uh, Gold Cup, I would have seen Angel Alexander as um, a very decent proposition and could have sniped him off there, but I didn't. But Grell was second, Gulliver was third, and Louis de Palma was sixth. So with my seven places, I got a 28 to one place, an 11, uh, sorry, an eight to one place and a 20 to one place. That was fine for like 400 pounds odd profit just at the halftime in the Saturday football. So I think what I've enjoyed with that one is sort of a time versus uh, return ratio, if you like. Because back in January, and we were spending all day touring around William Hills, but it was time-consuming, but it was very profitable at the same time. And it's like, if you can Dutch the race, there's no reason why you shouldn't. There really isn't any reason why you shouldn't Dutch a race for as much money as you can when you can guarantee some profit if you can get shed loads of money down. It's, a, it's, per, it's not only a perfectly legitimate strategy, um, but it's, it, it's almost like if you can, you should because it's free money. It's out there. It's a reasonable strategy. It's, not, it's neither immoral, illegal or illogical to be doing this when you know that you can get away with it and you have the time and the effort to do it. I didn't have the time and the effort. I did enjoy being able to spend five minutes placing three bets and returning 400 quid um, from it just by plucking them up from the tracker. One place where it's meant to be easy to get on is these golf bets at um, Betfred especially in shops where historically I've seen them laying like 15,000 pounds on the each ways, um, on the majors, 5,000 on these minor tournaments doesn't seem to be a problem. It's below the PTL rating anyway. Any, however, I've got to say, my buddy, my buddy goes into Betfred to pick up um, Sebastian Munoz's winnings at 66 to 1. And he picks up the cash, and he's friendly with the um, the till staff and the manager and everyone there. And he's been told, and they were sad to tell him as well, but he was told that the eyes in the sky have seen his payout, which you know, five thousand pounds is it is a it, it's not ordinary, that's for sure. But who, whatever eye in the sky and whatever area manager was on shift at that time. They have said no more bets because he's arbing. Now, Sebastian Minutes was 67 to back at the bookmaker and 90 on the exchange. Now, listen, you know and I know he was a value bet because of our determination of other factors that come into play. There was no place lay data for Sebastian Minutes. There was no liquidity. So one thing he wasn't was an arb. And I think what stings a little bit is that if you think about this, you know, Betfred really should be restricting us and limiting our business. We have no right to just take money away from Betfred. If I was a limited company like Betfred, I would want to ban me. And I think any time you get a restriction, you've got to ask yourself that question. If you were a company, would you ban you? The answer is almost certainly, if you're listening to this bashcast, yes. Um... So if I was Betfred, I would want to ban me. What grinds my gears here is that 
whilst we've been banned, we've been banned for the wrong reason. <laughs> and I don't know why that's annoyed me, but it really has. We've been banned for, for arming. If you're going to ban us, ban us for coming up with a deterministic model that uses driveway accuracy, greens and regulations, some pairwise computational models from day to golf and pairs that against the number of paid places that are going to be paid out at Betfred and determines equity based on a formula around those things. Ban us for that reason. We are long-term going to be making money off you. So yes, you're correct to ban us. Just don't ban us for the like calling us arbors. Filth. It's a filthy reason to ban us. <laughs> and I was genuinely annoyed, as was my man. But we'll live to fight another day, that's for sure. That was my gripe there, anyway. Okay, that's enough for the first half. Listen, guys, um, you are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by Bookie Bashing. I go back like Sun City Ravers When the bouncer said no trainers Versace shirts and Moschino skirts And the Alize came in flavours Smoke weed in little red papers Night shops cause there were no vapours Enough complaints for the neighbours well I say they're just haters Cause I got gal them chat, man them chat Champagne chat, tracksuit chat Gucci chat, bad boy chat Bring it in and I'll bring it back I got gal them chat, man them chat Champagne chat, tracksuit chat Gucci chat, bad boy chat Bring it in and I'll bring it back I said bring it in and I'll bring it back Four missed calls I'll ring him back Give her this and then give him that I got the gifts to the guy with a wicked chat I get a sambuka and then lick it back Lick off your head like a cricket bat Spliff full of green with a bit of fag I said yo DJ with the rhythms that I want classics Champagne in plastic glasses Gal them with the fastest asses They go mad for the backstage passes I stepped in with the vintage fabrics Come true like Mr Bombastic I'm a Dizzle, Mandy and Magic Weren't no Snapchat, never had gadgets Lemonade money with class A habits But we still get by I go back like Martin McFly Ain't party till you party with I When a club short man still party at mine Yeah, we still get high I go back like Martin McFly Ain't party till you party with I When a club short man still party at mine Go back like Sun City Ray when the bouncer said no trainers Versace shirts and Moschino skirts And the Alize came in flavours Smoke weed in little red papers Night shops cause there were no vapours Enough complaints for the neighbours Well I say they're just haters Cause I got gal them chat Man them chat Champagne chat Tracksuit chat Gucci chat Bad boy chat Bring it in and I'll bring it back I got gal them chat Man them chat Champagne chat Tracksuit chat Gucci chat Bad boy chat Bring it in and I'll bring it back I love chilling with people who don't smoke weed Cause then I got more of it I might pop champagne and pour a bit I might fly around there and explore a bit I love chilling with people who don't show greed Cause they can have all of it And if I like it, swipe it, order it You can have that one cause I'm bored of it I love raving I'm not saying hello when I'm waving I'm still spending my dough, I'm not saving And they follow the road that I'm paving I don't know one thing about behaving I ain't trying to go there if it's raining You got games, but what are you gaining? You spent the whole of the last year training But I still took your gal when I came in Yeah, we still get gal I go back like Keenan and Cowway One of them man to beat them and towel Go my yard, man don't need a hotel Yeah, we still get gal I go back like Keenan and Cowway One of them man to beat them and towel Go my yard, man don't need a hotel I go back like Sun City Ravers When the bouncers said no trainers Versace shirts and Moschino skirts and the Alize came in flavours Smoke weed in little red papers Night shots cause there were no vapours 
Nuts complaints from the neighbours Well I say they're just haters Cause I got gal them chat Man them chat Champagne chat Tracksuit chat Gucci chat Bad boy chat Bring it in and I'll bring it back I got gal them chat Man them chat Champagne chat Tracksuit chat Gucci chat Bad boy chat Bring it in and I'll bring it back Welcome back to the Bashcast. That's Chat by JK, 2019. Not 1999, that's Garage in 2019. It's one of our resurgence. In the bookie bashing news, Billy Joe Saunders is a professional boxer from Great Britain. He has held world championships in two weight classes, including the WBO Super Middleweight title, which he's had since May 2019. And also before then, he had the WBO Middleweight title from 2015 um, to 2018. He's the first boxer from the traveling community to become a two weight world champion. And as of right now, he is ranked as the world's fourth best active super middleweight um, by box records. At regional level, he has held the European, British, Commonwealth middleweight titles between 2012 and 2015. And as an amateur, he represented Great Britain's in the 2008 Olympics, reaching the second round of the welterweight bracket. In the same year, he won the EU Championships. Quite the prestigious boxer um, himself. And Devin Haney are due to fight on the 9th of November. So he's likely to be the headline boxing match on that card. Whoever it is he's fighting, his opponent is yet to be confirmed, right? Wrong. The headline card that evening, according to Eddie Hearn, is going to be a KSI versus a Logan Paul. That's right, two YouTubers. We're not talking about bad professionals. We're not talking about good amateurs. We're talking about bad amateurs are going to headline the card. Um, just because if you add up all of their social media followers of every professional boxer on the planet, they probably don't have as many as KSI and Logan Paul. So what do you feel like if you are Billy Joe Saunders? I mean, how is this going to work on the 9th of November? They're, they're going to have the WBO super middleweight title, which is going to be... You know, I'm not even the biggest boxing fan. I'll, I'll watch a match if it's on. I, I, I enjoy the, uh, I enjoy more of the WWF aspect, the showmanship, the the ring girls and everything. Um, because I don't particularly understand either boxing or martial arts as a sport. I don't understand the technical nuances of it. Um, 
I can respect the training that goes into it. And I think that's a, a big thing of all sport, whether you're watching golf, football, rugby, you sort of, in the back of your mind, as you're watching it, these people do things you can't even imagine, you know? That how much time, effort and training have gone in to those activities to allow Colin Marikawa to hit the ball 350 yards down a bowling alley down somewhere as wide as a bowling alley, you know? Or Billy Joe Saunders to to box whoever it is he's boxing. And then you bring in KSI versus Logan Paul, who, this is a rematch for the two of them, so they've already fought once. Um, the first match was a majority draw first time round when they met in the amateur ranks. But this time we're going one step further and they're stripping off their head guards and putting on the 10-ounce gloves when they meet at the Staples Centre in Los Angeles. So I defer to the professionals on this, I reckon. Um, Anthony Joshua said, I think it's sick, he said. Um, he could have promoted it from a point of view that it's not boxing, but he's got their licenses. There's no head guards. There's rounds of boxing. What people have to realise is, is you have to put all eyes on boxing for us to thrive. So KSI and Logan Paul have a bigger following than me. And if all of those eyes are going to watch me and my competitors in boxing, it's a good thing. So what he's saying here is that, you know, you normally get a £20 pay-per-view. This might be half the price. And because it's half the price, are you going to get all the teenage girls? I mean, how, who, who? I don't know. Who follows a KSI? I'm aware of who he is. I think I know. I know who a KSI is. And I've seen a few of his gaming videos, and they're funny enough. I, don't, I guess his following isn't 41-year-old men. I guess his following is teenage girls, gamers, stuff like that, who aren't necessarily into boxing. And here's the thing. They're saying it might be good for the sport because it gets eyes on it. I, don't, I just don't see it myself because the teenage girl is going to tune in to Billy Joe Saunders and say, well, he must have been training so hard for so much time to have the stamina to be able to survive that many rounds and then the strategy that comes in. No, they're not going to be interested. They want, they're not going to be interested. They're, they're not interested in the sport. K, KSI and Logan Paul could be playing chess against each other and they would tune in and watch it and cheer for whichever one that... They prefer with the Facebook likes and the Twitter retweets and their Instagram Snapchats. There's a market for it, though. There's a pretty efficient market for it. Might not be watching it, but I'm going to be having a bet. Logan Paul, who is the taller and the with the longer reach, I learned that from the True Geordie podcast, is top price 1.8, but looks to be about 1.72 across the board, William Hill. That's why Betfred are standing out there. Uh, KSI, top price at Bet Hard. Don't bet soft. Bet Hard are going... Why are they on odds checker? Jesus. Are going 6-4 to four on KSI with the draw. And it was a draw first time round. You can get the draw at 12-1 to one Sky Bet. Now, I'm sure it's not going to be fixed like the old... Like the old WWE... However, it has to be said that this is going to bring in an unbelievable amount of money 
for KSI and Logan Paul. I mean, they're not exactly poor entities themselves, really rich YouTube stars. But even so, with millions of pay-per-view, this is going to make them significant chunks of money. And I think if one of them had won the first boxing match, this rematch probably doesn't hold as much interest, but because it was drawn, this holds more interest. And the cynic in me says that if it's drawn a second time, then they're going to make even more money from the third bout. And this isn't real boxing. So uh, the 12 to 1 offered by Skybet, would I be laying? I wouldn't be laying 12 to 1. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, if you asked me to put £100 of my money on an investment, it wouldn't be laying Logan Paul versus KSI to be a draw at 12 to 1. Definitely wouldn't. So I would be very tempted to take that price. No one's offering 11 to 1. Uh, Betfred are offering 10 to 1, and pretty much everyone else is offering 9 to 1. So 12 to 1 from Skybet has to be a good price. Only just noticed that there's a Betfair exchange market. Let's go there. Let's go and see what that's saying. Probably a liquid, but please log in to continue. Oh, for the love of bloody, I don't want to log in. Go away. I just want to go to clear that. It's good, isn't it? Bet on bookmakers website. Thank you. So at the exchange, well, you can back the draw at 9.4 and lay it at 14.5. So it's obviously very gappy. And it has traded between those two figures, to tell you the truth. With most money going at 13. Amazing. You know, if you are if you could trade, you could probably trade 15 in the next, because you've got a couple of months before this bout. I would be, if I had a Betfair account, which I do not, I would be tempted to go onto this market and stick a 100 quid up at 15 and see if it gets nibbled in the next month. I mean, it can't be a bad bet. It can't be a bad bet. I'm not saying it's a good bet. Because who knows what's a good bet in this. But it cannot be a bad bet. You know? Uh, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Mr. KSI and Mr. Logan Paul have 20 million in the bank each and they simply don't need any more money. But, I don't know. Uh, the Miami Dolphins results this season so far. They lost 16-14 to the Buccaneers. Um, pre-season and then in the season 59-10 to the Ravens 43-0 to the Patriots and 31-6 to the Cowboys they are getting spanked left, right and centre and we had a bet on somebody to go 0-16 and 16. Um, I did this two years ago was hoping it was going to be the New York Jets because they were awful preseason. It ended up being the Cleveland Brown. What a great bet it was. It was a lot of fun. I think it's possibly negative EV at the beginning and then becomes more positive EV over time. That's no way to bet. That is a, not a great strategy, but it's a fun strategy. And on this one, well... Um, an unidentified bettor has put down three thousand four hundred dollars at thirty to one on Miami to go zero and sixteen. This is before the last game that he lost as well. Um, a hapless feat, last accomplished, of course, by the Browns in two thousand seventeen and then the Lions in two thousand and eight. 
the DraftKings Sportsbook noted the relatively huge potential windfall of $100,000 on Sunday after New England destroyed Miami 43-0. Um, a message seeking comment about DraftKings updated odds and overall action for Miami to go 0-16 was not immediately available. But the possibility is getting enough traction that Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas put out a figure after Sunday's loss. In the wake of New England's 43-0 Mercy rule outing in Miami, Superbook have released Pats undefeated and Dolphins winless odds. So the Pats to go 16-0, they've got up at plus 1,000. So 10 to 1. Will the Dolphins go 0 and 16? Yes, plus 350. So 7 to 2. So on the flip side of the 0 to 16, the Patriots, um, well, we got 25 to 1 preseason as well. So both bets look good, although there's going to be some juice in this and the fact that they've got some really large liability. With a mid six figure liability on the Dolphins to go 0 to 16 at 30 to 1, it's clear a number of DraftKings customers took advantage of a rather high price in comparison to other sports books. We are not shy about taking large wages, and this offers an example of our commitment to giving our customers the most engaging and exciting products in sports and entertainment. Said James. Shea, DraftKings head of digital sportsbook operations. It's a very, very different sounding statement and line that you would see this side of the pond. I don't know how long that's going to be um, going to be towed out in America with the introduction of all the, you know, the middle management from William Hill, Bet365, Betfred that are being shipped over to America. They're on the ships right now planning new lives out there in this distant land where they can limit and restrict a whole new civilization of people. But those are good bets just now. I don't think they're quite as bad as uh, I wouldn't be taking 10 to 1 and 7 to 2, that's for sure. And that's just on the Patriots and the Dolphins. And our bets are any team to go perfect and to go... Um, to go imperfect. But imagine if both came in. Wouldn't that be an absolute humdinger? Uh, this weekend, Premiership's back. we got um, Sheffield United versus Liverpool. The Mo Salah show. Saturday lunchtime. Everton City. Say you're going to score 3,000 as they always do in that game. Um, on Sunday, only one game. But it is the game of the weekend. Leicester versus Newcastle United. Where are all those mugs who said that the best... Um, the best bet in the summer was Newcastle to be relegated. Where are they? Where are they sitting now? I want to know. I haven't heard from them for a while. Get in touch. Give me a ring. Tomorrow in the rugby. Got a very early Argentina versus Tonga at 5.45 in the morning. Which is why I'm wrapping the Bashcast up now. Japan Island after that. And then South Africa versus Namibia. There's a handicap treble on at Coral and Labbrook's. Uh, for them all to beat their current point spreads at like, I think it's like 11 to back, somewhere around 8 would be fair odds, obviously with three teams, it's evens, times evens, times evens. Whatever it is that you're betting on this weekend, do make sure it's value. This is Tom, signing out. Did the earth move fire, Did the earth move fire, Did the earth move fire,